goal for the Irish at the timeout. Williams, right to the right side. Powers to the end zone. Look, low snap, picked it up, takes an end zone shot, and finally, McKinley goes up and gets it, and it is a touchdown. Welcome back to another episode of the Golden Homers Podcast with your hosts, Mason Plummer and Nathan Erbach. All right, welcome back. Welcome in to another edition of the Golden Homers podcast. Uh, I'm your co-host here, Nathan Erbach. I'm joined as always um, by Mason Plummer. Uh, Today, we're going to do something a little different for you. Last week, we brought the, you know, just our opinions on the Notre Dame class, uh, the 2022 class as a whole, at least as it stands uh, today after the early signing period. Uh, you know, obviously there's always the chance that Notre Dame's going to land some more guys here in February, and then I'm sure they're going to, you know, get into the transfer portal and stuff as well. But, but one of our favorite things to do, and we've always done this, whether we've been at Slap the Sign, Irish Breakdown, you know, just on Twitter by ourselves and, and so on and so forth, is uh, the uh, class of superlatives, if I could if I could actually say it. <laughs> um, <laughs> But uh, one of the things that, you know, like I said, me and myself and Mason like to do every year is uh, is provide this to you guys. It just kind of gives our thoughts on, you know, some of the, you know, and I can actually just walk you through what we're going to do um, and then we'll, we'll get going here. But uh, most underrated freshman contributor, uh, future first rounder, uh, most surprising commit, uh, future captain, best position group. And there's a lot of other things we probably could have provided as well. Um, but again, like I said, it's one of our favorite things to do. And uh as uh, as Mason likes to say, as guys that love recruiting and and talk about recruiting enough, it, it's a it's a it will be a fun podcast for us, even if it's not for you guys. Yeah, it's what we do, and then you know you look forward to this kind of thing. At least I do throughout the year, where you're kind of thinking about who who do I think is going to be underrated, like who's not being valued enough as you go through the whole cycle. And now that we're here and the class is just about finished, it's fun to look back at it and just kind of maybe predict the future a little bit. I, I really enjoy these kind of things, kind of calling your shots and kind of see where you end up four or five years down the road. It's fun to look back at a class that way. Yeah. And obviously as two guys, like I said, that follow it closely. Like we, we kind of think about this stuff all year long, like, Oh, like who's our favorite recruit. Like, for example, last week, I think I might be the only, but the only person that follows Notre Dame recruiting that has Aiden Gobira as number one. Um, a few years back, I, I kind of put my stamp on Jordan Patello and I don't know if that's working out so far in that class. I mean, I think he's still going to be a contributor overall, but he was my favorite player in that, in that entire cycle. Um, I know last year, I'm I'm not exactly sure Mason on what your final rankings were last year, but I kind of stuck with Tyler Buckner as my top guy um, in last year's class. So, you know, certainly it's fun to have, you know, just kind of like those staples. And like you mentioned, just kind of putting your mark on, on a few guys and seeing how it works out, you know, maybe even 10 years down the road, you know, with us having like a future first rounder pick. I mean, that kind of goes beyond even the guy being a first rounder. He, he could be a first rounder and be a bust. And then your, your superlative kind of looked weird anyway, but if he's a first rounder and turns into like a Zach Martin or a Quentin Nelson and, you know, essentially the best player at their positions, you know, in the NFL, then, uh, then it's kind of cool to look back and say, Hey, like I predicted this kid was going to be really, really good. Well, most definitely. It feels like uh, that I'm a talent evaluator, which I am not really, but it makes it, you know, I'll, uh, I'll count a few for myself when I can here and there. Yeah. Same here. Same here. So I, I figured we'd get started, probably do the uh, most surprising commit first, just because it kind of wraps up the entire class. And then we're going to start talking about guys that, you know, and, and things that they'll do here in the future. 
Um, Mason, I'll let you go first here. Do you have kind of a sub, you know, who was the most surprising commit for, for Notre Dame during the 2022 cycle? Yeah, I do. You know, as we were talking, I ended up switching it and I, I think I feel good about it. I'm going to go with Billy Shrouth uh, strictly because not that Notre Dame ever struggles really with offensive line, but to pull a guy out of Wisconsin when all signs were pointing towards him staying with Wisconsin, I think is really significant. I don't remember the year off the top of my head, but it's been double digit years since Notre Dame has got a recruit out of the state of Wisconsin where the University of Wisconsin does a tremendous job of keeping its talent in state in most years. And they did again this cycle, but they lost Shrouds. So um, Notre Dame traditionally recruits across the country. It has struggled in the state of Wisconsin. And Wisconsin does a great job, like I said, of not only keeping talent in state, but especially offensive linemen, right? You know, so keeping Joe Brunner and guys like Carson Hinsman, uh, we don't know where he's at yet, but it, keeping them in state is huge and something they succeed at just about every single class. So Billy Shrouth being what I consider to be on the verge of a five-star offensive lineman solely based on his tape and just, he's just a mauler on the inside and um, Notre Dame recruiting offensive line position, obviously they do very well. So maybe it's not so surprising that they did really well for an offensive lineman. And this whole offensive line class is very, very good and very special. I think it could be. So Billy Shrouth is the gem of it. And uh, I think he's, he's the most surprising for me. Yeah, it's definitely a good one. I mean, obviously like sort of with his, with the way his recruitment trended, uh, for a long time, I didn't actually think about him as a surprising recruit, but it makes a lot of sense in regards to what you said. And, and just in terms of, you know, Wisconsin recruiting as a whole, I mean, you can think of a guy like Braylon Allen is, is another guy that it looked like they had a really good shot with. I mean, he was originally a 2022 guy, but ended up reclassifying to 2021 and was a really good, you know, running back for Wisconsin this year. You know, and you can just think of really, you know, of, of, of top notch examples almost on a yearly basis for guys that you know, early in the cycle, they're, they're pretty involved with, and then, you know, Wisconsin essentially ends up just winning those recruitment towels. That's, a, that's an interesting one. I kind of took a different route here. Um, I think the, the one that everybody probably wants to hear us say is Emil Wagner, just because, you know, literally on the day he committed, it was a surprise, but I think overall, he wasn't that much of a surprise in the sense of being a, a Notre Dame fit, Offensive lineman, obviously from Ohio, like Notre Dame wins a lot of those recruitments, even against Ohio State on a yearly basis. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, Jalen Sneed, the linebacker out of South Carolina and probably Notre Dame's top recruit, at least according to most people. Um, and, and the reason I say that is obviously he's been a commit for a while. Um, so another reason why some people might find this to be odd, but how many times does Notre Dame win recruitments out of South Carolina? Only really, I mean, the only one that I can really think of is Troy Pride. Um, and even then, that was kind of a, su a surprise. A lot of people thought he'd end up at Clemson or South Carolina because South Carolina, a lot of the times, does a, a really good job at keeping their guys in state, just kind of like Wisconsin. I mean, they either end up at South Carolina or they end up at Clemson. And so, and, and, and honestly, he's one of those guys that before Marcus Streaming came along, you know, you didn't really think that you were going to have an opportunity to land him. He was probably going to end up at Clemson or South Carolina or someone like that or somewhere like that, I should say. Um, and I think there was even some rumors, even though I think that they were squashed pretty, uh, you know, pretty quickly. Like I, he, inter he or he uh, ended up at uh, on an official visit to South Carolina kind of late in the process, even prior to Kelly announcing to LSU. Um, so obviously, that you know, some of our friends that we talk to on a daily basis, they're, they get worked up about that kind of stuff. And you know who you are if you're listening. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, so I think overall, I mean, Jalen Sneed 
is, is a guy that traditionally does not end up at Notre Dame. And so for me, like when, when it was, I guess the surprising part was that he was even considering them and then obviously ended up committing. So when he, when he ended up committing, it wasn't a surprise, but just the idea that he was even considering Notre Dame at the beginning of the process was, was certainly a surprise to me. Yeah, I think so too. And I think we've mentioned a couple of times that, you know, without Marcus Freeman, that's not a guy that, that commits to Notre Dame. So uh, it, I definitely surprising on, on that front. Uh, Notre Dame does a good job with, with linebackers, but uh, yeah, it, definitely a difficult pull and one that Marcus Freeman kind of made look easy. So yeah, I, I like that pick a lot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next superlative uh, I think we're going to do here is the most underrated kind of similar to the surprising one where it kind of wraps up the class uh, overall. Um, Mason, who do you have is sort of the most underrated guy in this class? I'm going to let you go first on this one. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm going to go ahead and say uh, Benjamin Morrison. Part of the reason is I've been getting a lot of flack on Twitter um, when I came out with my list with having him at like number 18 overall or whatever it was. Our buddy Brian Driscoll texted me about him, you know, saying I was way too low. Uh, a bunch of people in the comments and stuff like that. And I want to reiterate by saying, I don't really think that there's a, a weak link in this class. Um, I mean, there's a few three stars like Donovan Heinish and, and Jaden Bellamy and, you know, the punter Bryce McPherson, who I very clearly rated, you know, the, the last three, just because I think their upside is limited comparatively to some of the other guys in this class. Um, but I really had a hard time ranking pretty much everybody from like eight to, to 18. And I ended up settling on Morrison at 18. I'm, I'm, I might end up regretting that. And that's part of the reason why I have him as the most underrated recruit. Um, I think first and foremost, he, you know, is a guy that should probably be ranked higher on 24-7 sports and rivals. He's kind of in that 200 range. Um, I think he's a legitimate top 200 player. And, you know, I think that so those those um, that it kind of speaks to the vault of how, of how good this class is uh, overall. So, yeah, I'm going to, I mean, I, I think he's a, he's a sticky guy in coverage. He has length, he has versatility to play pretty much anywhere, you know, in the, you know, defensive backfield. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he's a kid that makes a, a big impact and maybe even an early impact uh, for Notre Dame. So I think Benjamin Morrison's going to end up being my, uh, my, uh, my most underrated player. I like that pick. Uh, yeah, I definitely think he's an underrated guy and uh, we've both, said a couple times especially on Twitter that it's been difficult to rank the guys once you get past I think that top seven is just about uniform and you know depending on how which way you want to order it but after that it's really difficult and that's not to say that it's a bad class if anything it's a very good class meaning that how do you rank one guy over another and the, the whole process is really difficult anyways but I went with Billy Shroud for my first one. I'm going to stick with the offensive line and in-state talent. Ashton Craig is my most underrated. I think with how good the offensive line class is and how highly rated they are, people that are kind of stargazers, they don't look at Ashton Craig for being what he is. And if you, all you need to do is pop on the senior tape to see what he's been doing. And uh, he plays tough competition too at Lawrenceburg. So uh, he, he uh, knowing, I know that because I live in the state of Indiana and that's, and that's a name to know. So um, yeah, that senior tape is ridiculous. I mean, what he's doing to these high school guys, and he looks like he's ready to play now. I don't think he will at, at a place like Notre Dame just because it's offensive line U. But he's a guy that isn't talked about enough. When you know, we, Billy Shrouth and Ty Chan, and they get all the all the plaudits. But at the same time, Ashton Craig's a guy that's very versatile. Uh, he's nasty. He he can play all five positions if you need him to. I think he'll end up being 
a center at Notre Dame and a, a very good one at that. So I don't think he's maxed out his potential either. I'm really excited to see what he can do at Notre Dame. And I just don't think that he's talked about enough. And I think he would be in a normal cycle, but this class just turned out to be really good with five offensive linemen. And he, you know, you might rank him as the, as the fifth guy in that five class in that class of five, but it doesn't mean that he is the, uh, that doesn't mean he's the he's the worst one by any means. Uh, I think he's going to be very good at Notre Dame, and I think he can has a chance to contribute early if he does stick at that center position, which will be vacant potentially here soon. Yeah, uh, I think if I didn't pick Morrison, he was he was my next choice. So I'm glad we're having a little variety here, but but certainly echo a lot of your comments uh, regarding um, Ashton Craig. I, I think he's the. I think I mentioned this last week. Actually, I mean we have. I think the offensive line class, it wouldn't surprise me. It's unlikely because it just never happens, but it wouldn't surprise me if any of the five guys ended up being like big time contributors for Notre Dame. And maybe we're looking at it, you know, four or five years down the line and all of them are starting for Notre Dame. Um, that would be something. And it's, it's weird that I went with two offensive linemen. I didn't anticipate doing that, but here we are. Because <laughs> you being the boring guy. Right. Um, and another guy I kind of want to briefly hide up for underrated, hype up for underrated is – is uh, Steve Angeli. Um, I think he's a guy that could surprise some people at Notre Dame, but um, he, he would have been up there for me as well. Um, let's move on, though. Let's go to uh, a freshman contributor. I think as Notre Dame fans, we see this all the time. People love to talk about early playing time for, for guys, so this should be an interesting one. Um, Mason, you can go ahead and start on this one. Yeah, is it okay if I do offense and defense, or do I got to pick one? Yeah, that's a good one. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do one guy on offense, one guy on defense. Okay, so two that that pop out to me immediately. Uh, offense, it has to be Tobias Merriweather, considering where the where the receiver position is right now, and I think he's good enough to play day one, anyways. So he needs to add a little bit of weight. I don't think that'll be a problem, but uh, he's yeah, he's good enough to play immediately, and he's going to have to, depending on you know what Notre Dame does in the in the transfer portal, and if they can bring some guys back. So especially if they don't bring guys back, he has a he has a, a route to be to play immediately. So I'm gonna go with Tobias Merriweather, the lengthy receiver for the offensive side and for the defensive side to Jalen Sneed. Um, Notre Dame has some really good linebackers, but I think he's gonna be too good to keep off the field. He can do a lot of things for you, and I think that Marcus Freeman, I, we've highlighted before that Sneed's kind of his guy, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets playing time immediately. He's somebody I'm really excited to hear about when he when once he gets onto campus, starts practicing. I don't know if he'll have that necessarily that Kyle Hamilton start him immediately, but I think he can be that level of player for Notre Dame, and it wouldn't shock me if that started immediately. Yeah, two really good options there. I'm glad, and again, I'm glad we're kind of going different routes here because I, I kind of was thinking a little bit differently um, for That's offense. Why it works. Yeah, absolutely. For for offense, though, I'm going to take a similar route to you, but just a different player. And I'm going to go with Eli Raritan out of uh, Iowa. I like it. Um, you know, it's kind of, for like I said, for similar reasons. I mean, they're, they might lose a few guys. They already are kind of, you know, the the, the wide receiver position is certainly a, a need position for the future. I mean, maybe not next year if all the guys return. Um, and then also part of the reason is I think Eli Raritan is going to come in and be the number two tight end. Um, he can he can catch the ball. He, I think he's going to be good enough to block. Um, I think he can make an impact not only in the you know short to intermediate passing game, but I think he has the the talent to you know really force your safeties and linebackers to play deep in coverage against someone like him because he can beat you over the top. Um, very similar to like a Tyler Eifert in that regard. Um, you know I, I think he might even be a little bit more athletically gifted 
um, than Michael Mayer, which is crazy to say. And when I say athletically gifted, I shouldn't say from, uh, you know, obviously Michael Mayer is, a, is, is an incredible athlete, but I, I guess I'm really getting at is I think his pure speed, um, you know, might actually be able to contribute on the outside more than maybe Mayer's has. Um, so he's a guy that can come in and essentially almost play a receiver role for you. He can be like your slot receiver or something like that. And you can have, you know, assuming Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay and Lorenzo Styles, you know, and all those guys are, are back next year, you can have those guys fully on the outside and then you can line up Mayer in line and have them run routes. You can have Eli Raritan in the slot. You can have both of them lined up kind of in the slot at, at different points. Um, or different sides of the field. And I think that it could be a really dynamic offense with Eli Raritan, um, even as a freshman, because I think he's that talented. So very, like I said, very similar to how you mentioned Tobias Merriweather. Um, but I do think that there's a little bit more of an opportunity, at least specifically next year, for Raritan to get on the field. Because, you know, we, we haven't talked about George Takis. I mean, I think there's a chance he, he moves on from Notre Dame. And um, I don't like speculating on that kind of stuff. But, you know, as a fifth-year tight end, he's – you know, maybe he wants a more prominent role, so it just wouldn't surprise me. And I think it's actually been sort of talked about that he doesn't really know if he's coming back yet. So I'm, I'm comfortable enough saying that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think Raritan could come in and essentially be the number two tight end and, and a really dynamic threat, um, you know, in the slot and stuff like that. So, so before, you, before you move on, so is that – do you think Raritan is that good or do you not think very highly – or I guess it could be both. Do not very, think very highly of Evans, Bauman, Barong, that whole group. I mean, it will certainly be interesting. I do think, I mean, I do think highly of Bauman as a receiver. Um, obviously, Barong coming off an ACL, um, you know, that might be a little tough. I mean, getting just kind of getting back into the swing of things. And then, you right. know, obviously, you know, M Mitchell Evans did, did show some promise this year as a true freshman. Um, but yeah, no, it's not really an indictment of those guys specifically. Um, I, I really do think Raritan is just more in the Michael Mayer, you know, category when it comes to a, a can't miss tight end prospect in a, in a ready to go tight end prospect, you know, when he comes into college. I mean, I think he's better than everybody they brought in over and, you know, outside of Michael Mayer over the last couple of years. And he, and he really compares favorably to, you know, some of my Tyler Eifert. Now he did end up redshirting, but he was also sort of a, a lesser recruit when he came to Notre Dame. Um, but he, but he quickly showed why he should be on the field. I mean, in his second season. So I'm not, I'm not saying Raritan's going to come in and have like 42 catches or whatever it was like Michael Mayer did as a freshman, but I could easily see him being impactful and getting like to that 15 to 30 catch range, um, which I think would, you know, say he would be maybe the most impactful guy. That would be really fun to see uh, the, you know, the two tight end sets and the possibilities. You know, if you are struggling at the receiver position, with Raritan and Mayer. I like the idea of that a lot. It would make the red zone very interesting. I can tell you that. And with the, with the six, seven Mitchell Evans, and he proved to be able to catch the ball, but I, I, I just really love tight ends. We can move on. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. You're good. Um, so for early impact on uh, defense, I think I'm actually, this guy, I'm going to take an interesting route here. I'm going to go with Jaden Mickey. Um, okay. I think there's an opportunity for, you know, we, we saw it this year there, there, no one really, that came in this past cycle. Um, and again, maybe it, maybe it's not really an indictment of those guys. We liked a lot of those guys, Philip Riley, Ryan, Ryan Barnes, Jojo Johnson got hurt. Um, I know me and you have talked about the possibility of maybe Jojo Johnson moving to receiver though. I mean, at least I kind of, I kind of hope it happens to be completely honest with you. 
um, with the log jam that they have back there. But none of those guys really took advantage of, you know, an oppor- like the opportunity there. I mean, there was obviously some, you know, some, uh, some depth issues at safety. Um, and instead of having a freshman step up, you saw Xavier Watts move from offense and you saw Ramon Henderson move from corner um, to safety. And those look like those could be, if they're not your two starters next year, then they're definitely going to be contributors along with DJ Brown. But, uh, you know, Clarence Lewis struggled at times this year and, you know, they essentially rolled with Bracey, him and Cam Hart. And they didn't, you know, they didn't really give any opportunities to these younger guys. And like I said, I don't know if it's an indictment on them, but at the same time, someone like Jaden Mickey comes in, you know, with a lot of polish, um, he's a little smaller. So I think he's a guy that, you know, playing a nickel early on in his career, um, or in the slot, I should say, would, would benefit him greatly. But he's also a guy that has shown that he's, you know, he plays with a lot of swagger. He's going to get his nose in there and tackle you. He's, he's not afraid to, not afraid to tackle. He's not afraid to, you know, get you behind the line of scrimmage and, and jam you and stuff like that. So even though he's only like 5'11", 175, 185 pounds, whatever it is, probably even smaller than what he's listed, to be completely honest with you, um, I think he's also very, very polished. Um, and a guy that can can come in and, you know, essentially be your your starting nickel right away. Um, you know, if, if Bracey doesn't continue to improve or moves on or whatever it may be, um, I think Mickey might actually be the best corner that they've landed um, over the last few cycles. I like that a lot. So what, I, what I'm gathering here is I like offensive linemen and you like corners. <laughs> yeah, based um, on this conversation, certainly. Right. Yeah. I, I like Mickey's game a lot. And, and you said it really well that, you know, he can, he can lay the lumber. He's a, a sure tackler. He plays the ball really well. And I like what we've been hearing and what we've been reading um, is that he's, he's really competitive and potentially the most competitive guy in this class. And I give me a competitive, like a, a guy that refuses to lose at, at corner every day, like every day of the week. So uh, I, I like a guy that, especially at corner where you have to have, uh, where you have to have a short mind, meaning that you you know you just forget things easily. If you have a bad play, you just move on. And playing with that confidence, and I really like what I've what I've seen in Mickey's game. And I, I like a corner that that talk that talks the talk a little bit. And he's a guy that does that. So um, that's not something that you see in in Notre Dame players a lot. But I, I like uh, I like a little bit of that in corners, and Mickey has that. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's something to be said too that Morrison and Mickey are two of the better you know, corners they brought in over the last couple of years, just from a ranking standpoint too. I think that means something. Yeah. Um, the recruiting at that position and that safety is continuing, continuing to improve under Mickens and Freeman. So, you know, it, it shouldn't be, like I said, it's not really an indictment on the guys that they've already brought in. I just think that as the years go on, I mean, you're already seeing it with Justin Rett in the 2023 class. Um, you know, I, I honestly just think Mickey and Morrison are better than the guys that they've brought in in previous years, or at least should be better. Um, and that's only going to continue to to elevate that that position group. So, um, oh yeah, I think it might lead to some turnover, but that's positive attrition. We that's something we talk about a lot. That's not a bad thing. That's the mark of a good program. And before we move on, I mean, I think it was Rivals that came out, and it's a free article. So again, I don't really mind kind of pumping it up a little bit. You know, I think one of their guys over there, I think it was Patrick Engel, if I'm not mistaken, is someone he, he does great work, by the way. Uh, yeah. Somebody I've gotten to know and. Uh, and somebody I worked with, Patrick Engels, he's the real deal. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned something I have. To, I forgot, was it 27 guys that are currently playing that transferred from Notre Dame? Yeah, something, like, yeah, I read that today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah, right. you just look at that list and like maybe five guys are actually contributing at a fairly high level. Um, 
And it just goes to show you that when guys transfer, at least from a Notre Dame program, not always in general, it's, it's usually because they're not getting the playing time and maybe they're not worthy of the playing time at Notre Dame or some guys, they get antsy. You know, I, I you could argue that Jordan Jenmar Keith would have been a pretty good player for Notre Dame this year, or, a, you know, an Ovio Gufo would have been a really good player at Notre Dame this year in a, in a, you know, pass rush, pass rush situation role. I mean, even Phil Jerkovic probably would have been the starting QB this year, but then you see a bunch of other guys that just like they move on, they're at lesser programs and so on and so forth. And they're barely even playing. I mean, look at, um, and I, and again, it's not really, it's not really to like say these guys were bad or whatever. It just goes to show you that positive, you know, there's, there is positive attrition and, and sometimes those guys work out at other programs, but it doesn't mean they were going to work out at Notre Dame. Well, right. And I remember, and maybe I felt this way a little bit too, but I remember everybody freaking out when Jordan Johnson announced his intention to transfer. And then you didn't really see a lot of big programs going after him, at least from what we were reading or hearing. And then he ends up at UCF and posted zero catches for zero yards. So I'm sure there's more to that story, but at the same time, he was made out to be this five-star guy, stud, game changer, program changer, you know, all world talent, but he didn't end up being, which isn't his fault. He doesn't do the rankings and maybe he was just mis misrated and misguided from the start. But at the same time, it's not like Notre Dame lost out on a true five-star guy. They lost out on a, on a guy that didn't make it at Notre Dame and isn't making it at UCF, at least so far. So a lot of it comes down to, you've got to trust the staff and they're the ones that see them in practice every day. Uh, we're, we look at rankings and only and hear what, what other people are seeing. So it comes down to trust and you said it best, you know, the there's 27 guys out there that are playing for other programs and not a lot of them are doing a ton, which is a good and bad thing. I guess you always want to see former guys do well, but it, it's, it's a mark of the Notre Dame staff finding the better players, even if they are younger and getting them on the field and not keeping a guy around just because he's older. Right. And then it brings you to the three guys that have already transferred this year too. I mean, obviously Lawrence keys are, is committed to Tulane. Um, you know, obviously that, you know, I'm, I'm, I hope he does very well at Tulane, but there's a reason he transferred to Tulane and not LSU. Right. And, then, you know, you have Shane Simon, who has essentially been, I mean, obviously injuries have played a huge factor there. I still think he would have been a really good player at Notre Dame if not for those, but that's obviously part of positive attrition is guys get hurt and they can't, you know, they can't hold up their end of the bargain essentially. And so it's time for them to move on. And I'm sure he'll, I'm sure he'll end up at a power five school or something like that. Cause he could probably be pretty good at, you know, a Syracuse or a Boston college or whatever it may be. Um, and then, you know, obviously you have someone like Litchfield Ajavon who came to Notre Dame, I think, honestly, for the academics, first and foremost, he's going to end up with his degree and he's going to move on probably to, you know, a program that's a little bit, you know, maybe a G5 program or something like that. That's high academic as well. Um, and, and probably have a successful couple of years there. But, um, but again, that's just another three examples of guys that are going to end up, you know, at other programs that, you know, essentially just didn't cut it at Notre Dame for one reason or another, but uh, let's move on here. We'll go on to future first rounder. Um, I guess I'll start on this one since you started on the last one. Yeah, go um, ahead. I think that for me, and I actually kind of saved this name for this one, because I feel like he could have maybe been used for other ones. I just don't want to do any repeat names. But I think there's no secret on how high I am, how high I am on Aiden Gobira. Um, I mean, I've mentioned a few times, I think I mentioned on this podcast last week, I think he is a future top 10 level pick. I mean, you see guys like Aiden Hutchinson, 
you know, Kayvon Thibodeau, George Karloftis, um, maybe even throwing an Isaiah Foskey in there. I mean, I don't, I think he's coming back to Notre Dame, but like just like high end talented pass rushers. And you look at Aiden Gobira, Notre Dame doesn't typically land guys with his length, his athleticism, his, you know, his size. So like coming in at 6'6, 225, 230, I think that's a guy that Mike Elston is salivating over. Um, you know, just to get him on the field. And he could be, you know, I thought about him for freshman contributor. You know, I thought about him for, you know, most surprised, you know, guy, just because he very similar to Jalen Sneed in the sense that I don't think he's here without Freeman, but I wanted to save him for this one because I'll be honest, I'm kind of putting my mark on him. If he's not a future first rounder, um, then it's some of Mike Elston's worst work <laughs> at Notre Dame. Cause I think the kid has, all the potential in the world to, to, to be that, at, or, you know, to, to be that, and, you know, maybe even be one of the best, you know, pass rushers in the NFL one day. I, I like the praise a lot, you know, admittedly, I, I thought a lot of him, I, I didn't, and maybe don't think as highly of him as you do, but you've certainly made me a fan. Uh, you know, I've watched his tape again, maybe in a new light, seeing kind of what you see. I'm still not quite at that level, but I'm hoping to get there. I, I do think he's very good. Um, as far as my future first rounder, uh, I did have Gobera as or Gobira in mind. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and steal yours and Eli Raritan. It's rare for rare Raritan for a <laughs> uh, a tight end to go in the first round, but I think that he is he's capable of doing that. I think that he's gonna be a three year contributor at Notre Dame and move on and be an impact contributor in the league. So I think he has the talent to do so. He has what you're looking for in an NFL style tight end, you know, what it's moving to these days where guys like Kyle Pitts before him, before, you know, the last five or 10 years, kind of the tight end revolution, if you will, um, he would just be a, a bigger receiver or maybe he would have ended up on defense or something like that. You know, a guy that's, that can run, he, he runs like a gazelle and he's, he still has the, he's a big guy of course, and he can do the blocking, but it doesn't, you don't need to have a tight end. That's like six, six and like 300 pounds. Like that's not, what it is anymore tight ends are essentially just big receivers now and that's what Raritan is so I think a lot of a lot of NFL teams are looking for their their Travis Kelsey their Kyle Pitts their George Kittle and I think that Eli Raritan can be that and then some so I, I think very highly of Eli Raritan maybe he's my uh he's my Aiden Gobira for you you know uh, Raritan is mine so hopefully those two pan out for us I think those have been uh kind of flag plant guys for us uh, and Raritan's grown on me a lot in the past couple months. So I, I'm going to go ahead and put my, lay my claim there for future first round. Yeah, I, I definitely thought about Raritan. Um, and I think there's obviously a really good opportunity for him to be a first rounder down the line, obviously with tight ends. I think it's a little bit harder to predict that just because it know, is, um, you know, pass rushers, QBs, stuff like that, or they're just way more valued overall. So you have to really be essentially what Michael Mayer is to, to consider it. And, um, again, I mean, I think Eli Raritan is very much the type of player that Mayer and Eifert, you know, have shown to be or shown, you know, shown they were at the college at the collegiate level. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me at all. And there's certainly some other guys. I mean, Emil Wagner is another guy we could have mentioned for this because his upside might be better than anybody in this class. So, uh, yeah, this and then like Tobias Merriweather, I mean, with his size and his speed on the outside, he's another guy that I think with get him in, get him with Matt Bayless and two years from now, you're looking at a kid that, you know, is on the verge of being a first round pick. So um, a lot, a lot of guys in this class that I think can really show out to be that. I mean, people are already talking about Billy Shrouth as the next Quentin Nelson. So again, yeah, I mean, people I, are saying that Meriwether is T Higgins. Give, give me that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. 
Mason, uh, what about for future captain here? Future captain, there's there's one name that that stood out to me. Obviously, you're going to have a couple captains from this class, most likely, but it's got to be Nolan Ziegler. He was one of the, if not the first commit in this class and has really been the leader of the class throughout. You and I both spoke to him. Just a great kid. He bleeds Notre Dame. He is everything you want in a guy that's going to play at Notre Dame, and I think he's going to have a big future on the field as well as off of it. So he's, a, he's just everything that you want in a captain as far as leadership, truly loves Notre Dame, loves football. Uh, that's really all I got to say. He's the he's the name that pops off the list for me for sure. Yeah, that one was an easy one. Um, I for just to throw another name out there, I'm going to go with Jadarian Price. I mean, Nolan Ziegler is my Ooh. guy for this position as well. Yeah, um, but I've Price is really. I mean, obviously Price has grown on me, and I think everybody as a player during his senior season. But like, I watched his interview the other day after he signed with Notre Dame, and he's just a he's smart. He's look, sounds like he comes from a tremendous family, just has a really good head on his shoulders. I, I think he gets it. Um, I don't think he's a kid that's going to complain if he doesn't necessarily play as a freshman. He, he understands that Notre Dame has a really good running back room and just the way he talks, you know, I, I really feel like he's a kid that, um, you know, if he ends up half the player that Kyron Williams is, for example, you know, that I don't see any way he doesn't become a, you know, a future starter for Notre Dame. And then in turn, you know, as a junior, senior, you know, essentially be one of the leaders on that team. And then another guy that I think deserves a little praise if he ends up being a starter for Notre Dame is Steve Angeli. Cause I think your quarterback's always going to be a captain if he's your starter. Um, but I think Steve Angeli, again, kind of the same way as Price, just has a really good head on his shoulders, cap, very captain material like. So if he ends up a starter at Notre Dame down the road, he's a guy to think about as well. Yeah, I like those picks. Overall, I think there's a lot of guys that, that show leadership qualities in this class from what we've we've heard and read. So uh, I like that. Uh, that's what really important in a class. You don't want guys that, that aren't good leaders. I think a lot of them show that. Another good shot would be Jaden Mickey. You mentioned, or we both kind of mentioned that, that charismatic leadership and the way that he handles himself on the field, that competitiveness, I think that could translate over to, to being a captain as well. Yeah, no, absolutely, certainly. Um, and that, that would fit the very Kyron Williams uh, role I feel like you know just like, right don't take a playoff don't take a practice off I mean I think we were reading about that today where you know I think what was I think Tommy Reese was talked about that about you know what's different with with no Kyron Williams there and he goes you know other guys have had to step up because he was loud he was didn't take I mean he was going to hit you in practice he was going to yell at you in practice and I could easily see Mickey being that type of guy for sure um, what about best position group I think this one's a little easy as well I mean there's probably three three positions that are really under consideration here but um, maybe we can highlight all three of them but what would be your best position group Mason well I've already kind of hit home offensive line so um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with linebackers I think this is the one that that people should be really excited about and for good reason Jalen Sneed Josh Burnham Junior Tui Alamaka, Nolan Ziegler, and that's just a ridiculous group. And I think they're all going to be really good at Notre Dame too. And it's hard for a, a position group like that of four guys to to all play and be really good. But I think a lot of them have the positional versatility to all get on the field, maybe potentially at different times and at different positions other than linebacker. But that's what you want in a group like this. Notre Dame needed to reload at linebacker, and it's doing so here. So these guys are in line for early playing time especially a guy like Josh Burnham, I think, who can play Viper even right now. 
and he has the he has the versatility to, to play any of the linebacker positions too at 6'4", 225 at least that's what he's listed on 24 7 so I, I like what i see in him and then we mentioned jalen sneed as a guy that can contribute from day one so that's already two of the four as day one contributors which is all you can ask for from a position group so uh linebackers a pretty easy answer there for me yeah i think linebacker has to be the answer um i do i do think it's a little bit easier of a position to say um what am i getting at here with the offensive line i mean i think there's a few things obviously someone like you know we don't even know who the position coach is going to be i think that plays a role um you you know what the linebackers you have marcus freeman there as your head coach, who's also essentially going to be a linebacker coach. And then they're going to right. hire a really, really good linebacker coach as well. Who's going to learn from the best. So not only did you bring in a class of, you know, just four studs, but you're also getting coached by probably the best linebacker coach in all of college football. Um, and then I think with offensive line, like while there is a huge amount of upside, I think there is a, a little bit more bust in that group. I mean, I think Emil Wagner, we have to see how he's going to put on weight. Um, I think kind of the same thing can be said for Ashton Craig. I mean, I think the upside is, is there, but I don't know if he has like the polish, um, you know, his senior, his senior year film is certainly, is certainly really good. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was a kid that down the line ended up like transferring from Notre Dame. Cause he wasn't able to see the field over other guys. Um, you know, and with landing 10 guys in two cycles, I mean, someone, a couple guys have, uh, over the last two cycles are certainly bound to transfer because um, they're not all going to play. Um, and then I think with tight end, there's the other group I was kind of thinking about. I mean, it, it, tight end is just such a weird position. I mean, they, you did land two guys. I think both guys are going to be really productive overall, but you might not see as much of them on the field. Uh, production wise that you're going to see from the linebackers, the linebackers are, you know, they're going to total the most tackles on the team. They're going to be present in almost every single play that's positive or even negative for Notre Dame, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. And as we've seen with other tight ends in the past, and I don't think this is going to be the case with Raritan, maybe more with Stace is that you can be a very good tight end at Notre Dame and somewhat go unnoticed like a Durham Smythe, Tommy tremble to an extent until his blocking prowess just overwhelmed people um you know I think Cole Komet was probably even better than maybe advertised until sort of the, the draft the draft came around and people started actually really evaluating his film like I think for a long time no one really thought of him as the number one tight end in that class and he's and, still underrated people Bears fans think he sucks yeah absolutely I mean I think he's I think he's better than what he's shown is in a Bears uniform but I think there's a lot of guys that are probably better than what they've shown in a Bears uniform with the, how that how that team is right now so yeah um, and then you know and then you have guys like um you know Ben Koyak who was a top-notch recruit for Notre Dame you know a, a while back now and ended up having a really good senior year having to wait his turn so I think there's just ways that tight ends can somewhat go unnoticed and it's hard for me to say that they're going to be like the most impactful or the best position group um, at Notre Dame even though they are considered you know one of the tight end use so yeah linebacker for me was an easy decision as well I mean I think all of those guys have a chance to just be incredibly impactful and you're and not only that but you're just going to notice them when they're on the field yeah that's a that's a good pick it had to be I mean the the, the three best position groups undoubtedly you could have argued receiver before that whole shit show but uh, offensive line 
tight end and then linebacker, three really good position groups and three that you could argue among the best in the country. So that, that's always a good thing when, when you're talking about how highly rated class. I mean, you can argue three position groups as the very best in the country. That seems to be a pretty good thing. And that's with everybody else going to Texas A&M, like literally every other player in the country. <laughs> yep. Any, any <laughs> guy that has a four or five star by your name, Texas A&M bound, baby. There it is. And it's funny too. I, I want not to, not to kind of keep this point going even further, but it looks like AM's going to lose their offensive line coach to, to USC. I, I think I saw, and they just lost their, their defensive coordinator, even though it was to be a head coach and, and Mike Elko, you know, going over to Duke and they're still landing guys. Like it's like, no one cares. And it's, it's crazy to me. So um, just to be the fourth or <laughs> best team, fourth or fifth best team in the SEC. Yeah, we'll see. I, I have a feeling that it's probably going to stay very similar um, or, or guys will transfer out, but I guess we'll find out. But um, that's going to wrap us up for our Notre Dame talk, I guess, specifically for today. Mason actually has a special guest that he's going to be interviewing here um, and I'm going to hop off. But uh, Mason, go ahead and kind of tell us what you're about to get into and then uh, we'll, we'll wrap up for, for tonight. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and paste this interview in I think right after right after I introduce him but Julio Rodriguez of Julio's Cuts you'll recognize him surely from the the videos that Notre Dame dropped on National Signing Day and he's become notorious in the South Bend area for being a guy that's he's the go-to barber for the players and coaches and in multiple Notre Dame sports but namely uh, football and basketball he's the guy that that all of them look to and uh, yeah stick around for this interview I'm, I'm really excited to to share his story with you guys and and share uh, how he ended up being essentially the main star of the recruiting videos and how he ended up being the, the go-to barber for, uh, for hair, which is, which is a big deal for those kind of guys. And I'm excited to listen to it. So without further ado, we'll, uh, we'll go in and get into Mason's interview with, uh, with Julio Rodriguez. Thanks for listening, guys. The Golden Homers are brought to you by Generations Barbershop, a Notre Dame-themed barbershop that has been keeping Irish fans looking good since 1930, Brent and Gill are located on Lincoln Way East in Mishawaka, Indiana. Open 8 to 5 and by appointment, call or text Brent at 574-250-0622. That's 574-250-0622. Hey guys, Nathan here from the Golden Homers Podcast. When I'm cooking dinner or grilling on the weekends, I want to use what great chefs use in their steakhouses. Exceptional quality meats. Meet up Vegas is my hookup meetupvegas.com that's m-e-a-t meet meetupvegas.com their specialty meat packs come with veal cutlet pork chops and extra meaty pork baby back ribs or prime rib and you already know meetupvegas.com is known for its unreal steaks all the meat is individually vacuum sealed to maintain absolute freshness for 200 plus days in your freezer and it's cheaper than you think check it out now at meetupvegas.com and use code IRISH10 at checkout to receive $10 off your first order. All right, everybody, we hinted at a special guest. It's none other than Julio's Cuts. Julio Rodriguez, welcome on to the Golden Homers podcast, my man. What's up, man? It's a pleasure to be on here. Hey, we thank you. We appreciate you a lot for joining. So if you guys don't know, you should, but uh, at Julio's Cuts, and he was the star of the Notre Dame uh, recruiting the signing day videos all with Marcus Freeman getting his hair cut, a couple other guys in the chair. So had to get him on the podcast and hear about his experiences with all that. So Julio, I guess we'll start there. Uh, so you, you were the star of, of the show, really, as far as the national <laughs> signing day videos. Uh, what was that like and how did that kind of come about? 
Yeah, so it was definitely uh crazy like to see like all the all the people like noticing a fade. <laughs> but um yeah, it was um so I had cut his hair like when was it um well I usually cut his hair like during uh during the season and stuff. I go over to his house and everything, cut his kids. Are you talking but, about um, Freeman? Yeah, Coach Freeman. Okay. So yeah, so I yeah, so I've been cutting him for a couple months now, since well since he got here. And um I think it was a Friday when, well, I think it was a Thursday night when all the Brian Kelly stuff blew up. And Friday I had went over to his house the next day um, to cut his hair because I'm pretty sure he knew that he was going to be the coach or he had just found out or something. I didn't really want to ask him too much questions. Yeah. But I I cut his hair Friday because he had to like do, he had to tell the team Saturday. (laughs) So I kind of knew before, you know. Yeah, and yeah, so good for that yeah exactly so i ended up getting sick though um when was it probably by sunday i noticed like i was sick so he had told me i could cut his hair again on monday so which was like two days after and um for the meeting the whole conference so i had to send one of my barbers to kind of touch him up you know cut his hair kind of retouch up you know what i just cut on friday and um yeah so definitely uh yeah, we were all me and uh, which my barber, his name is Nikki Fades. He uh, me and him were just like, you know, we were just shocked on how many people noticed the haircut. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah, it was a cool thing. It was uh, definitely something different, something that that Notre Dame doesn't traditionally do in terms of those videos, and had yeah. a cool feel. You know, Notre Dame has a different feel to it with Marcus Freeman right now, and it has a cool mm-hmm. feel in such a a cool barbershop like that. So. Um, when uh, when they decided they wanted to record these National Signing Day videos, how did that kind of come about? Did Notre Dame approach you? Yeah, so we've been actually working on those um, National Signing Day videos for, like, probably, like, since the summer, so about four or five months ago, to really? be honest. <laughs> yeah, so the marketing team came to me and uh, offered me, like, yo, can you guys, uh, can we use you guys as shop? You know, we know all the uh, players come here. And we want to we think it's a great idea to kind of use it as, a, you know, for National Signing Day. So we've been working on it for a while. We actually had recorded Brian Kelly already. And, um, you know, obviously that whole thing happened. So we had to get Freeman in there to replace him quick. <laughs> gotcha. So, you end up having to re-record a lot of stuff? Um, no, it was just the, the, the stuff that Brian Kelly was supposed to do. Uh, Marcus Freeman ended up doing it, but it look it it's it, it looks like it, Freeman did a better job. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. He kind of has that that grasp for what the younger crowd likes, and uh, you can tell. Oh, yeah. really tell that in the video. Yeah, no, you can definitely tell. Like he he's just like that outgoing person, you know. And as as cool as everybody makes him seem, like he's even better in person, which is crazy. Uh, I can only imagine that's super cool. So I guess we should back it up a little bit to get your your kind of full story. So how did you get yeah. your, your start barbering? Obviously, you've made a hell of a career out of it so far in the South Bend area. Mm-hmm. But how did you get your start? So I started cutting hair in um, in high school, like around my sophomore year. Um, and then I just, I just uh, started meeting people through high school, started cutting a lot of uh, people in my school. And then um, by the time I graduated high school, I ended up going to barber school and then um, I, and I just started building my clientele here in town and then eventually kind of got to like the Notre Dame athletes. So I just kind of started cutting their hair one by one and then just started like really connecting with them. And that whole thing just blew up with Notre Dame, you know, because 
I feel like, you know, they, they're the ones that have the most eyes on them. So, you know, they were looking at the haircuts for a while now. I've been cutting ND players for about four years now, four to five years. Gotcha. Yeah, I remember when you were starting to gain traction. I actually went to to Penn High School, so in the area. Oh, no way. And there was uh, – there. I remember a couple of my buddies going to you, and I remember hearing the name. I was like, man, this who this guy. He must be for real. <laughs> yeah, so I was trying to do my best, like, you know, trying to pass out – not cards, but I was just trying to, like, you know, just throw my name out there. Like, yo, just hit me up for a cut. You know, I'll give you a discount. You know, I'd go tailgating and stuff. Like, just try to come up with hoodies, you know, just anything I can to just – you know, get, get business. Yeah, no doubt. Like, uh, like I mentioned off air, I have a family, uh, family full of barbers, but I might have to make a trip in to see you. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no, most definitely. So you mentioned that you have been cutting Notre Dame players for three or four years now. What was that mm-hmm. first one? Who was the first one to, to reach out to you? Um, that kind of thing go. So the, so I was tailgating and then, um, I saw who was it? A uh, Bonzi Colson, BJ Beecham, some Hoopers. Yep. For Notre Dame, and I see, I saw them in person. You know, I was shocked to see them out there tailgating. And I just was like, "Yo!" I was like, "If you guys need a haircut, you know, just let me know. Like, I'll hook you guys up." And they actually did text me like two days after that. Like, you know, the game was Saturday, and I think by Monday they had texted me like, "Yo, I we actually need haircuts." <laughs> Really? So, so did yeah. You throw so your number to them, kind of thinking they would, or not so much. No, I definitely just shot my shot. Like you know, <laughs> like I was just a little tipsy. Like you know, I'm gonna just gonna see if like they need haircuts. <laughs> and uh, they came over to my basement because uh, that's where I was cutting hair. That's where it all started in my parents' basement. And they came over, and man, I was nervous, but uh, you know, I just tried to do my best. And they ended up just telling the coaches, you know, Coach Ryan Humphrey. You know, he he ended up coming and the whole team, basketball team started coming. And then next to you know, they started telling the football team. And then Chase Claypool was my first um, football head I've ever cut, like, from Notre Dame. And that's a big deal considering he's in the NFL now. That's, uh, that's exactly. a big one. Yeah, no, at the time, he was a – we were probably around the same age. And yeah. um, we we got along like, you know, me and all the players got got along real cool because, you know, like I said, we were around the same age. So we started going out together. You know, we started just chilling, you know, talk, you know, we were comfortable with each other. And I think that really, really helped a lot with all this, you know, with just the connection. You know, I could imagine because I feel like a lot of times when they try to hang out with people that are around, you know, the same age that you and I are. I'm only 21. Mm-hmm. But oh, OK. So, you know, people treat them as if they're not like normal people. I think they want to be treated as normal people. And I think that's Mm -hmm. a big reason why guys kind of tend to flock to you, at least from the outside looking in. Yeah, 100%. When they're in my barber chair, I'm just like, man, you know what? I just got to talk to them like they're regular people. I got to make fun of them. I got to laugh with them. You know what I mean? I got to pick at them like, you know, just because that's how I am. You know, it's like, got to be yourself. And I think they really caught on to that. And that's why they kept coming back too. you know, because that's what a barber can do. You know, you got a good relationship with him. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, I know how important that is for them to be looking good, especially with all the, the cameras on them constantly. Oh, yeah. Football, not so much, <laughs> but especially the basketball guys. They, they're getting oh, yeah, close-up yeah. shots on their hair all the time. A hundred percent, yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned that you're a little bit nervous. Is there one that stands out where you're the most nervous? Like your hands shaking a little bit when they're coming in, like uh, I can't mess this up. I mean, definitely the first time I cut Bonzi in them, I, I, I was definitely, like, shaking a little bit. <laughs> but I was trying to keep cool, you know. I was trying to, like, play music, you know, make them feel comfortable. Since this is a lot of going on. 
you know. So, looking more recently, you knew that with this whole, uh, with the Notre Dame fighting Irish media and knowing mm -hmm. that, that there were going to be close-up shots of Marcus Freeman, was that one you were oh, yeah. about? like, I got to get this fade right? Um, No, because, I mean, with Freeman, like I said, like his personality, like, you can't beat it. Like you, you're, you can get so comfortable around him where like, it's really, you know, he's like a friend. He's like a bro. You know what I mean? Like, and I've never felt like that around Freeman, but if I was to cut Kelly, like, I think I'd be a little bit more nervous because I feel like his personality is just a little bit more intimidating. If oh. that makes sense. Uh, yeah. You know what uh, I mean? He's got a little bit less to work with too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like, Cause I, when I had Kelly in my chair, I was a little nervous too, you know, cause I wasn't comfortable with him, you know, compared to Freeman. And, you know, I'm just like, you know, what's up coach? Like sit down, you know, like, let me put the cape on you and stuff. Oh, but, I gotcha. And I think that that speaks a lot to, uh, to Marcus Freeman and that's going to help Notre Dame. I'd imagine. And in a lot of ways, yeah. especially in terms of recruiting where you, you know, you don't know everything about him, but at the same time you yeah. feel comfortable and you feel like you're really. 100%. Yeah, no, like, it's obviously like if I feel that way, I can just imagine how the recruits or the players feel, you know. Right, I'm sure it makes you want to play for them, huh? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. That's cool. So, going back to those videos that you guys recorded, what was that like to be in them? Like, are you are you talking like a full day of shooting, like a lot of takes, where they kind of yeah do? We we probably set up like three appointments, maybe four, like four half days you know half days worth of like recordings okay like okay. um so yeah shout out cody baker he's the he's the guy that really came up with most of this stuff he works for notre dame recruiting uh like just media and he's the one that came up with the idea and um he's yeah like he's the one that really like got the videos uh edited and all that stuff and like um yeah we were just putting work in at the barbershop it was me and a couple barbers and then they ended up going to like some restaurants next door, you know, while they were already at my shop. And then they went upstairs to like uh, to my friend's tattoo shop, who also tattoos on most of the guys on the team. And they got him in a couple videos. So they made the best out of being out there in downtown Mishawaka. <laughs> yeah, understood for sure. So um, are, I'm trying to think. So they uh, they kind of had you say some things, you know, about the players or whatever. So are you mm -hmm. a guy that follows recruiting or did they kind of just have you say these things about players and they were going to yeah. later? Yeah. So, yeah, because they were I don't think it was like they're allowed to tell us who what player we were talking about. Something okay. was like NCAA rules. So they just made us say lines. And uh, honestly, I had no idea who I was talking about. <laughs> And then uh, now I do. And, like, now I try to keep up with the recruiting because, like, that's honestly pretty dope. Like, how much, you know, how much effort goes into this stuff, you know? Oh, it definitely is. And, yeah, as a guy that, that covered recruiting for a couple of years, uh, mm -hmm. the effort that goes in is ridiculous. And, yeah, you got to keep up with them because that's, that's going to be your clientele here soon. Exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Start recruiting them yourself. Yeah, man. It's just a bunch of high school kids, you know? high school kids who potentially could just be multi-millionaires and it's just like you know it could all be worth it at the end you know all this all the all the work that goes in it no doubt about it so going back to kind of your roots have you always been a Notre Dame fan um honestly like before in high school I didn't really care too much about it you know um but definitely as soon as I started talking to these guys and seeing them on tv I'm like they go Irish all day you know <laughs> oh yeah yeah I was like 
you know, I, I started going to games and I just, I'm really a big, huge fan now. Like I'll travel to, you know, I'll travel just to watch these guys. Yeah, no doubt. So I, I was kind of doing my research earlier and it looks mm-hmm. like being a barber you know, for the team and having connections within the university now has granted you some cool opportunities. Like I'm looking at a picture oh, yeah. with Drew Brees. What was that like? Oh yeah. So, so we ended up getting these uh, pregame on the field passes or something. And uh, I just went, I, we were out, we were on the field. We were out there with Bon Jovi, Drew Brees, and like a bunch of ex-players. Tavon Coney was there, Sean Crawford. And um, we, I saw Drew Brees and I came up to him and I was like, what's up, man? I was like, I'm Notre Dame's barber. If you ever, uh, if you ever need a haircut, just, you know, just let me know. And then he, uh, he laughed and he was like, yeah, man. He was like, if I, if I resign with, uh, I think he's with NBC. Yeah. He's like, if I, he's like, if I resign, you know, I'll stop by next year. And I was like, oh, dude, I was like, holy crap. Like, that's that will probably be my biggest haircut if I do end up cutting them. (laughs) That was my next question. So I saw the the picture of you with all the the frame jerseys. Do you have Uh that that stands out the most where you were like, like super happy? Yeah, like that. Definitely. So I I got a personal uh, Tim Brown jersey. So Tim Brown came to. Yeah. So Tim Brown came to my barbershop. I didn't get to cut his hair because he was in a rush. But uh, his son, um, I cut his son's hair, and because uh, he goes to Holy Cross, and um, and so I, I asked him, I was like, bro, if I can order your dad's jersey, you think you can make it happen? Like when he can come in the shop, we could take a picture and stuff. And he made it happen. So I got to talk to him for a little bit, and yeah, that's got to be the biggest name on my wall right now. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, that's uh, that's about as legendary as it gets. And then I'm I'm yeah. seeing Kyle Hamilton on here. You got to get a, a Hamilton jersey in there too. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm just waiting to see what team he goes, man. You know, that's my boy. I told him uh, recently. I was like, man, you got to let me get your hair, haircut right for the draft, because my highest haircut, like, so I cut Quentin Nelson. Yep. Before, like, kind of a couple days before the draft, but he stayed home. He didn't go to the draft, um, so I'm looking forward to if I could cut Kyle's hair before the draft. That'd probably be huge because yeah, okay. he'd actually be on the, you know, he'd be there. Yeah, you're looking at a top five pick right there. Hopefully, if everything goes right, so that dude's just yeah, incredible. yeah. I'm excited, man. That's gonna be huge right there. I know it. <laughs> oh, for sure. So what? I'm looking at this jersey collection again. I can't get over. I gotta, I gotta come see it in person. We'll make that happen. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. But, um, so what? Uh, <laughs> How did that get started? Was there a guy that first was like, "Hey, man, I want you to I want you to have this. Like, I, I appreciate you," kind of thing? No, it was kind of more like, a, "Man, that's a good question because I don't really remember right now what my first jersey was." Um, but so I would, I'm, I, I usually I'm the one who buys them, and then I just have them sign them, and then I just get them framed myself. You know, that way I'm not asking for too much. Like, bro, let me get your jersey. Yeah, yeah. But, like, like, for example, like the Quentin Nelson one, I, I went to his house, cut his hair in Indianapolis, and I got it signed. You know, I was like, I got to have a jersey ready. Like, you know, I got to walk out with something. Okay. And um, so that's what I've been doing. You know, every time these guys come back in town, you know, I, I already have their jerseys ready. And, then, you know. Understood. Understood. Okay. So uh, kind of a funny question here. Hopefully I don't get you in trouble here. Who is the most picky about their hair that you can remember? Is there a guy that's real finicky about how he likes it done? Uh, on the team? Yeah, on the team now and then maybe yeah. in your career. Uh, the most pickiest guy, man. Um, ah, man. I, I mean, I, it's kind of, that's kind of a hard question, but I could definitely tell you who's the unpickiest guy. 
and Yo, that's definitely man. that's definitely like oh Jeremiah Wusu. Like, so I just recently cut his hair in Cleveland, and then I asked him after the haircut, I was like, bro, do you even care about getting a haircut? He goes, no. <laughs> and then I'm like, damn, like, he does not care at all, you know? And I love it because I could just, you know, I still, I'm still going to hook him up, but it's nothing, like, you know, that I'm worried about. But when it comes to pickiest, man, honestly, like, I think they're all pretty comfortable with me, which is great. You know, they don't have really have nothing to worry about. Gotcha. I was wondering if there was maybe a guy that, you know, you got done and you thought you did a good job and then maybe they wanted it a different way or something like that. <laughs> Have you ever had anything? Nah, like that? Somebody not, up? Nah, uh, not, I, not that I could think of right now. It's definitely happened with like, I would say like regular clients, but with yeah. the football guys, I don't think so. Honestly, they're all pretty cool about everything. You know, I got guys who ask for like a lot, like, um like I know Kyron you know uh I know he I know he likes to stay sharp like he makes sure that his beard is cool he makes sure the eyebrow line is sharp and not too thick he definitely tells me you know what I mean like but we're cool like that you know he could tell me like Julio don't mess me up all right you know but he knows damn right I'm not gonna mess him up he's just you know I would say Kyron definitely be messing around <laughs> no I got you even on the sidelines he's he's quick to pop that helmet off and get in the camera he wants to show <laughs> yeah he just recently cut all his hair off too oh did he really I didn't see that yeah I just cut all his hair off and it was crazy I just cut his hair off last week before um I think he leaves this week to Florida but um I want to say last Thursday I cut literally all the curls off he has like the lowest haircut right now and he was tripping like he was like he was nervous as hell. <laughs> I bet. Well, maybe he tried to get rid of the curls. That was kind of his thing. Yeah, so he just wanted to kind of, like, focus on – it's a mentality thing. He wanted to focus more on football and kind of restart, reset, you know. So he thought the curls were just a distraction. Like, you know, that's what I think. Like, you know, you don't want to be dealing with your curls and all in your face and stuff when you're trying to go to the NFL, like. Oh, you I know, you're, sure. you know you're, on your, you're on your grown man stuff. Like, get a low haircut and, you know – focus <laughs> yep i got you no doubt so yeah we i mean we've just talked about kyle hamilton and kyron williams two guys who are going to be nfl dudes that's uh that's two more jerseys for you oh yeah 100 percent. you know i'm looking forward to that uh and then we'll see who ends up leaving and who ends up staying so far we'll we'll be finding out and within the next weeks yep and certainly after the bowl game i'd imagine we're gonna we're gonna find out and um yeah mm -hmm. it should be interesting but the the future certainly looks bright for notre dame no doubt oh yeah 100 percent so Definitely. Future, I kind of want to talk more about you personally. What are kind of your future goals and aspirations? I kind of want to give you time to kind of talk about yourself here. Yeah. So my big goals right now is just to get the barbershop. I got to, I just recently added more stations to the barbershop. So I want to get it as full as possible and as busy as possible. So I want everybody to kind of like, not just focus too much on me anymore. I kind of want, I kind of want the, the barbershop exclusive studios to kind of take off. That way, like, you know, we can we can say with pride, like, you know, we got the best haircuts in town, like, and then you, you shouldn't stress about, you, you shouldn't worry about, you know, trying to get a messed up haircut and stuff, like, we can get you right. So that's my big goal is to just focus on that and just maintaining right now, you know, and, and still trying to take advantage of the position where I'm at right now and definitely work on better marketing for myself you know get some better videos going and take it to the max you know i want to i want to travel try to you know cut these guys cut a cut an nfl team you know get flown now i want to i want to do all kinds of stuff like that you know 
I got you. Yeah, I like the I like the big goals for sure. And yeah, certainly anything yeah. we can do to to help you out, we will definitely do that. Oh yeah, man. Appreciate yeah, that. Everybody, dude. be sure to check out Julio at Julio's Cuts. That's with a Z on the end. Exclusive Studios, mm-hmm. 110 North Main Street in Mishawaka. Uh, certainly a yeah. can't miss barber, and who doesn't want their hair cut by uh, the exactly. guy that cuts in Notre Dame? Exactly. Yo, me and the team will get you right. <laughs> All right, Julio. Greatly appreciate the time. We'll have to have you on again soon. No problem, man. Appreciate you having having me on here. All righty. Thank you. Yes, sir.